Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, back here on the Highland Podcast, and, you know, you can tell it's still not humongously busy sewer season because Paul and Joe have joined us, and we said this, hey, if we don't have sewers to talk about, we're going to talk about other stuff. And um, we got a crazy story here, guys, about a gender reveal party that went wrong. We're all excited about these gender reveal parties. We're all trying to out-gender out reveal each other. Like, we, we want to make it good, but these guys use 80 tons of explosives, which caused a big deal. Paul, you're a pastor. You're dealing with families who have babies and everything else. I bet you get your fair share of invitations at gender reveal parties. Uh, have you seen any crazy ones? I'm assuming this is the craziest one you've seen. I mean, what do you, you think? You do know that my church is mostly octogenarian, so oh, it's okay. not, uh, <laughs> not a lot of... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they're oh, going to their grandkids' gender result parties. Maybe, know. maybe. Oh. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten the invites, but okay. definitely nothing like this. <laughs> right. If they well, invite it, you down to the quarry, then think twice about it. <laughs> yeah, and, and this happened in New Hampshire. 80 pounds of explosive were detonated so loud. It made locals suspect an earthquake, which would be kind of scary. We don't usually get that many earthquakes in the New Hampshire area. Uh, they're saying that a um, a group of people have had deno- de- detonated. Sorry, can't talk today. A large stock of tannerite as part of a gender reveal party, and I, I don't know did they color it. So, I looked up tannerite because I had never heard of that as an explosive before. So, tannerite is uh, specifically made and marketed. It actually has a kit that you can purchase that has powder in it specifically for gender reveal parties, believe it or not. Now, here's what's weird. uh, Tannerite Sports, the company, recommends using no more than one pound of the composition at once and its largest targets with a size of two pounds to professionals only. This dude had 80 pounds of a, of an explosive that they only sell two pounds of at a time. This, the effort that must've been gone to in order to obtain 80 pounds of this in the boom box hits is, is really crazy. Uh, That's a lot. But, but John, let's think about this. New dad. You know, maybe it's his first kid. He's all excited. He's got to celebrate. I have five children. Okay. 
I have never had a gender reveal party for my children. Ever. Okay. But, but you're the better guy. You're like, I, don't, I have I five don't. children. And <laughs> I, don't, I mean, poor guy, his first kid, he's all excited. I mean, hey. He wants to, you know, well, I, I can make an off-color joke, which I won't, but they're celebrating with a bang. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was thinking something dramatically different. I, I stopped myself before I made a problem. But what Thank I'm saying you. is Appreciate they're that. celebrating their child with a bang. You know, it, it's it's just, you know, and what better than a big bang? You know what I mean? Hey. You know, th- anything just like just telling people like just right. a, a cake is plenty to cut okay. into the cake and really you just write it on top of the cake and just pull the thing off and say hey it's gonna be a girl that's fine that is more than sufficient for well, this i just yeah maybe well, i'm it, too much of an introvert i'm not a person to just gather okay. for parties for no reason really that much uh, right. I, I like to hang out with people, but to get together a, a diverse group of people to say we're going to have a party, that's not something I do a lot. That was even pre-pandemic. Uh, so I, I can't imagine gathering a group of people for an event like this. I don't know. Maybe it's something that's more special to somebody who's planning to have less th- less kids than I have, maybe. But uh, I remember with the first kid it being a big deal, finding out that I was going to have a have a little girl. That was that was kind of special. And the second one, knowing that I was going to have a boy and have one of each, that's you know. But I'm at the point now with five kids. Oh, there's just so many of them. To well, the have color, all of these parties. <laughs> the color was blue, right? So it's a boy. It's yes, it was a boy. boy. Okay, so yes. I mean, okay, I'm not into gender reveal parties myself, but you celebrate the way you celebrate and just whatever. You know, it's fine. But, you know, the little boy comes up to his dad and says, Dad, do you really love me? And, you know, that's going to be like, of course I love you. Well, what if the dad said, I only had two pounds or tons of tannerite? And the boy's like, man, I'm not sure where your love is, Dad. The dad could come out and say, what? I caused an earthquake. I, I had 80. 80 pounds. I cracked yes. somebody's foundation. Uh, I knocked pictures off of walls several blocks away. And that boy's going to look at his dad and dad, you're the best. (laughs) I'm just curious because this article, I mean, you're almost envisioning like just somebody in the front yard setting off all this. I mean, this is a quarry where based on this Google image of the quarry, there's no houses anywhere in this image. Not near it. They're in a quarry. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if... That's how big I, an explosion I, I don't know if this neighbors was. are saying, hey, my, my foundation was starting to crack. I'm going to blame it on this. I, I, but I'm thinking if you live by a quarry, that I wonder that myself. There's explosions happening. <laughs> yeah. This guy's a yeah. hero. But yeah. this Paul, Paul, Paul's taking my side. Well, this guy's a hero. He picked a quarry where there's no homes around. And he did something for love of his son. You know what I mean? He's like a modern day. That's Abraham. what he bought 80, 80 pounds of this stuff. They'd only <laughs> sell it one. You know what? What's almost amazing to me is that he was able to purchase 80, made 80 orders of this stuff, and all of it was blue. Okay. Like, I think it just in the, the ways that stuff gets shipped and whatever, that none of it was, was pink. Like, the, no, it never got messed up once. <laughs> this guy it wasn't some mixture. He actually got 80 pounds. Of the actual blue powder, 
I, I don't want to insinuate that God told him to do this, but this guy's a modern day Abraham. He said, Hey, I love my son so much. I'm going to go to the quarry and do 80 are you pounds of tannite. Are you saying, I'm not saying that God a, said it told a, him to? There was some divinity came down and told no, him to do no, this. Not divinity. He felt <laughs> he felt strong about it. You know what I mean? You know, hey, so, I, and not only honest, that, this is not like a plastic explosive where you just buy it and it's an explosive thing. You have to mix this stuff. Okay. There's preparation involved. It's a whole thing. He's taking a risk for his son. Don't we take risks no, my, for our my children? Question, all though, yeah, yeah. We're all we're all talking about how the government's monitoring everything we do. How does he get this much explosive and nobody bats an eye? That's kind of frightening to me. It's yeah. love of a dad. Now, if he was like, <laughs> well, you know, with ISIS, well, yeah, you would say, oh no, no, I was no, gonna say, can't have what is that dad's last name? I'm just gonna like because <laughs> it's gonna have to be about that. But some one person's able to buy 80 pounds of this stuff over the internet and not get arrested. Uh, there's going to be a specific reason why. Well, well, now, this is I'm assuming if you're going, Again, they're not. They're this... not. I don't think it's released. Oh, okay. Yeah, if Sorry. you're going, I don't know, all but in he is being deal. investigated, and charges are possible for having. I mean, there's got to be way maybe, more than one person should be. I mean, there, there's clearly got to be video, and if people are close enough to see this reveal, how does it? crack foundations of houses and not like shatter your skull. <laughs> I agree. These yeah. are real questions. Uh, <clears throat> given that he has gone to the trouble of going to a, uh, a quarry to blow it up, that there was a, a process that comes with putting it together. So clearly he had to know how to do that. This isn't somebody who is totally inexperienced with this material. I would imagine. Um, he may have set up some type of safety material or had, uh, you know, safety headphones and goggles and maybe a barrier. Maybe it looked yeah. like, uh, uh, what is it, the, the Mythbusters. Uh, they may have had all the, the barriers and whatever that they needed to be safe while they were there. It's mm -hmm. just that the blast explosion radiated out way much further than they expected to. It said multiple towns. It wasn't just a neighborhood. You could hear it miles and miles away. But you know what? If it happened now, like if we had another guy like that in nearby quarry, I'd just pump my fist and say, you love your son. Yeah, I mean, don't. I would be crying about earthquake. Yeah, I'd say, hey. Just, just, just go stand out on your porch and yell, it's a boy. The end. The end. Gender revealed. That is I, that is all that is necessary. I'm going to deck and say, I love my kids, too. You go. It's on the you internet. I mean? We have social media now. Just say, it's a boy. The end. Well, Chris, Chris is that cartoon. He's sitting on his recliner in his living room. His <laughs> entire house is just rubble around him. Yeah. He's like, you go, Dad. Yeah. You go, Dad. I am a father. <laughs> I am a father. Uh, I, 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 he's okay I, I, with I, other people getting their foundations cracked as long as it's not his. I once made the comment, and I got made fun of, and I almost got kicked out. I, I lived in Youngstown <laughs> for a year for a job, and it's when they had the fracking, where they're trying, they're getting yeah. more oil companies, and they said, well, the danger is, you know, we could have earthquakes. But I showed them a video of a Dodgers game where there was a minor earthquake, nothing happened, and the fans cheered. They're like, yeah, 
This is us. This is California to earthquake. I said, we should be like this in Ohio. It brings us together. You know, small earthquakes that happen, we're like, yeah. Sometimes quickly and sometimes right. violently. We are brought together by an earthquake. <laughs> so, so this young man is bringing that community into New Hampshire. Because right now, New Hampshire doesn't have that shared experience of an earthquake <laughs> to bring the community together. This guy's celebrating his son. And, and just bringing a fault line into New Hampshire so we can oh, have more gosh. community. Paul, as yeah. a pastor, I, you know, our cry in <laughs> churches is we need to bring community. This guy is bringing community to that area. Well, as a pastor in my community, <laughs> I live very close to a nuclear power plant and a fracking oh. plant. Okay. So the the less explosive gender reveal parties would definitely put me at a state of ease. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so a nuclear disaster that brings the community closer isn't in your idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one nuclear disaster, hey, the community comes close together, your church prays uh, closely together. <laughs> uh, so I don't think it's got, necessary to have a nuclear disaster just to reveal explosion. No nuclear explosion. Natural gas explosion on the other. Man, what, oh, what else you gosh. want? Uh, well, hey, if it's not good worth it. Not just for a gender good. reveal. Not worth it. Yeah, if it's a good gender <laughs> reveal party, why not? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm just trying to be the contrarian here. I mean, you guys are I know all you are. I know you are. To, you guys are all bounded together in contempt over the sky. I'm trying to tell you. I mean, we all said the same thing about Abraham in the Bible. I'm sure that his Man, colleagues just, were like, wow, what a crazy guy. It won't be too much longer. I'm a grandparent, so we'll see when my oh. uh, grandchild gender right? radio party. We'll see what I come up with. Yeah. And how will you feel as a grandfather when, when the gender reveal party is <laughs> 80 pounds of explosives? Yeah, oh, yeah, my word. You're never going to miss That sets off child. a nuclear oh. disaster. And that sets off a nuclear disaster <laughs> and an earthquake from all the fracking. You're not just, really going to be worth it. Just, I guess, you know, we, we listen to code words that our kids say that, you know, if we hear that, we get concerned. I guess we have to add quarry to those code words. You know what I mean? I guess. <laughs> Like, you know, if your kid says they're going parking, you're like, ooh, that's not good. We got to act quick, make them stop. I guess quarry is another word that once they say that, we're like, okay, stop, kid. You got to stay here tonight, you know? So, I mean, that just sounds like it, it sounds like a Thomas the Tank Engine episode gone awry. Yeah. Just let's all gather at the quarry, everyone. I got a surprise for you. Their Topham hat was not happy. <laughs> It was very cross indeed. <laughs> so, so if you can fight, because hey, after COVID, we'll, I'm sure we'll all start getting together with gatherings and parties and whatever. So if someone says, let's gather by the quarry, I have a surprise for you. That's usually no. for run. No. Go the other way. Get out. No, you know, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's no good surprise that comes from right. meeting somebody at the quarry. No. Not Meet happening. me at the top of the quarry. No, I'll, I'll be down <laughs> not the coming out. Right by the edge yeah. there, a little bit yeah. closer to the edge there. That's where the surprise is. <laughs> yes. uh, no, thank oh, you. Man. And I see at the end of the story, you talk about wimps, people who did not step up. Who's this, uh, Jenna uh, Cravundius? I guess she's the woman who's she's credited for popularizing the gender reveal party. She says, according to Sarko, it's time to end the trend. 
and she sounds upset. For love of God, stop bringing things down to tell everyone about your kids. Uh, I'll say manhood, just to be polite. No one cares but you, Jenna. You're you're. Jen's getting woke. Jen's not, you know. <laughs> I mean, there, there comes a point. I mean, next thing you know, the ice bucket challenge is just going to be like taking a massive block of ice and just smashing on someone's head. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody's got to stand up for the poor oppressed guy who bought 80 tons of tan tonight <laughs> and blew up in the quarry. <laughs> Where's he's his the voice? Oppressed, he's the oppressed guy. He's the one who's oh, the vi- real victim here, right? Not all of the houses that had were all disrupted, and the yeah. the heart attacks that were caused, and the foundations that were cracked. Although I'm, I'm guaranteeing you, those people, their foundation was already cracked. I guarantee you, well, there's not yeah. anybody where that's a new thing. Yeah, just yeah, I'm just telling you the now. Press. They're running to the <laughs> press, and they can pick up some home insurance claims. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just say for the for this father, if he gets out of this without a knock on the door from Homeland Security, he's he's well ahead of the game. So, <laughs> well, well, thanks from Homeland Security. Like, <laughs> you're a hero. <laughs> well, I mean, like the New Hampshire the State Bomb Squad, right. you know, is having to answer <laughs> questions from the from newspapers about this. You know, everyone's aware, well, uh, and I think charges are probably coming because that's way too much of that material to have at the one time. That's definitely got to be possession of a, you know, illegal substance. When I got into PR, they say no bad, no, there's no such thing as bad news. You get the publicity. So here's the other thing. I had never heard of Tannerite before. So now I have, (laughs) I'm not any more likely to purchase it, but I've never heard of it before. I don't want to offend anybody in New Hampshire, but we call this the Ohioan because Ohio has more news going on in New Hampshire, right? I mean, how many times have you seen New Hampshire in the news? Now, New Hampshire's getting the news more often. So, man, maybe New Hampshire should salute this guy, too. They're like, hey, you're bringing attention to our state. No, it's making me say people in New Hampshire might be a little crazy. I don't think I want to move up there. (laughs) Well, you may not want to. They're definitely crazier than I thought they were. No, like <laughs> I didn't expect them to be doing things like this. You so. may not want to move up there, but you want to visit the tourism in New Hampshire will go up. Maybe not the home values. Sure. I mean, people aren't going because I want there. to go see this quarry. Is that what you think? Oh man, I got to see this like, quarry, man. Yeah, they're going to have the quarry uh, twice as big as it used to be. <laughs> I bet you there's going to be homeowners to... out there. Come see the foundation that was cracked yeah. by the gender reveal party. I bet there's officials in New York City going, what's this mean for the Statue of Liberty? Because no one's going to want to see the Statue of Liberty anymore. We want to see the quarry, I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, it's toss-up. Family the, vacation. Even gra- the even oh, grander yeah. canyon. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and meet this guy, man. I, I, you walk by the guy's house. You like your... your- you like your uh, naturally occurring Grand Canyon. Come check out the man-made one. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored so what, what's tannerite. the market value for 80 pounds of Tannerite? Did we find that out? Do you know? I haven't. Where did he yeah. Cough up for this? yeah, I haven't seen this. I, I, I'm looking for this guy. I mean, man, we we didn't have a guest on our review program, so I want this guy to come on. And you guys can yell at him, and I'll be like, man, he's the best. What's that? <laughs> yeah. You want him on? Uh, yeah. I, I think his lawyer would have to be on. 
That's the truth. Yeah, I haven't I haven't found it. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I want that on your search history, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy's name is Very, very somewhere. true. It's very, very <laughs> true. Well, well, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I got a feeling that if I find out who it is, I'll probably be like one of those guys to ask for payment before a podcast interview. Well, we've ran into those people recently. Uh, they, we'll leave them go. So it'll be good. So it should be good. So this guy's well, let's see. Gonna... There's a pack of ten one-pound okay. targets. Is eighty dollars? Yeah. So the guy spent. Well, so. 80 times, 80, 80 times 8 or 80 times, yeah. Well, 80 he, times 8. He did, he did 80 <laughs> pounds, right? So that would be all oh, because it's a 10 pack. It's a 10, it's a 10 pack, yeah. 800 bucks? That's not a lot of money for a gender. To reveal money. a gender, that's way more money <laughs> than is necessary to reveal a gender. Okay. Well, it tells you this guy's got money. Especially since it's a party, he better have, you know, he probably at least needed to buy some beers or something. Like, well, and the, <laughs> he didn't go and out the, to the quarry for nothing. Well, yeah, I got to tell better you be too, a cake the, as well. Jeez. The, the perception is this guy is like, oh, this guy's right. has two teeth. You're about to have a new baby. You couldn't have spent $1,000 in a better way when you're about to have a new okay. baby. Come on, well, guy. <laughs> look at this. This guy says, I got 800 bucks to spend. This guy's got money. This guy is probably a, a successful businessman, a pillar of the community. <laughs> I mean, this guy's got money. This guy's like, hey. His fines haven't kicked in yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. This guy used to be, have some money, and now he no this longer has insurance money. policy is about to go up. Yep. Once you start getting sued by the different towns who have had to repair all the foundations of every house in five-town radius. <laughs> This guy's not working at your local Walmart. <laughs> this guy is a pillar of the community. A business, he probably owns the bank in the middle of town. This guy's probably great. the mayor of at least one of those towns, right? Oh, yeah, he's the mayor. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Fantastic, yeah. He's completely I, I, fabricated who this person is. Not well, in any way any of that. Well, like I said, I'm shocked. You guys are very anti this guy. I'm very pro this guy. So it, it's good. I am anti this no. guy. Okay. <laughs> I don't think Paul puts that seriously in the ring. <laughs> but it's not we'll just see. the act of gender reveals in abstract. It's just this person specifically that I have a problem with. Not really. Yeah, uh, yeah gender, <laughs> gender reveals are awful, but if you can throw 80 pounds of tan night in, I'm all in. You know? I mean, I, oh I my adore gosh. my children, but I, I've always thought the gender reveal parties were probably a, a, a waste of valuable finances that could have been put elsewhere. This so is, th this, this is all I'm saying. <laughs> Having had five kids, I can imagine needing a thousand dollars much more than I need uh to to blow a lot of blue powder into the uh tri-state area. That's not necessary for me. Well we are known for I need that I need that brand. <laughs> we are known for a Steelers podcast. Just think about this. I went to a Steelers playoff game. It's the one they tanked against Jacksonville about 10 years ago um, where, you know, David Gerard had that long run, the key to win. I was there at that game, and I was shocked. It was a night game, 
and they were putting up fireworks on top of the stadium before the game. I'm like, man, is this excessive? It might be a little much. But 10 years later, we count on those fireworks. Same thing with this guy. Right now we're saying 80 pounds of tannite, a little much for that you know, gender reveal party. 10 years from now, if you don't have 80 pounds of tannite, you're not doing what you do right. He's a trendsetter. Now here, He's a visionary. <laughs> here, Here's my call. Right. Because the name could work for boy or girl. Okay. This child has to be Anna. named Corey. Really? Nice. Because it was at the quarry. Oh, okay. Okay. I was thinking, I was thinking Tanner. Like, Corey, Corey Tanner. <laughs> Corey Tanner. There you go. Corey Tanner, whatever this go. guy's last name. Mayor, whatever. Well, we've got to find this. <laughs> I will send him a link. I'll say, don't listen to Paul and Joe. I mean, I'm probably, I, I've given this we guy have more, more things to talk about with this. We're going to spend yes. more time. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I want to praise him. I want to just blush because I'm like, you're the man. I'll, I'll just, I mean, good night. If he listened to this podcast, he'd be like, man, this Chris guy is really impressed. I mean, <laughs> we're supposed to say nice things about people. He'll be all excited. So, well, literally on the, on the website the for this. It's- on the website for this material is the place to click to purchase gender reveal pack of there the material. Go. There you go. Yeah. Yep. And you just bought 80 pounds of it. Like, do they have, like, do they have themes that, like, show the Sears helmet in the, in the sky? Or, you know, maybe they should. Maybe yeah, should. I mean, it's, the, it's the next level. Show next your level. fandom for the Pittsburgh Steelers by blowing up a quarry. There you go. Very good. I have nothing ill about this man, just a particular choice he made in life. (laughs) Says the pastor. Love it. (laughs) You can still be redeemed, sir. Don't worry. He he says his name and he says the name of website right after. This is a church I attend and everything. So no, it'll be good. It'll be good. I'm just loving them people. I'm, I'm doing what we're called to do. I'm calling this guy out because he's make good choices. Yeah, well, I, you know, sometimes choices aren't always easy to understand. So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not arguing about situational. Sometimes ethics they are. Or, yeah, I'm not talking about situational ethics are gray. I'm, I'm just saying, hey, it's one of those decisions that you, you got carp watch, and it's good. But if you live in the greater Columbus area, you might want to. Firm up your foundations because someone there is a fan of explosive reveal parties. Make sure I'm not having any more kids. I, I, I don't think we're having any more kids. So, yeah, if I if I did, look out, bar the door. That'd be great. So I I, I gotta get to know this guy. We get we gotta search him out. I, I got a feeling that his name probably will never be revealed. But hey, it may not. What if his name's Marcus Allen? Yes, <laughs> name is Marcus Allen. Or, or if, his, <laughs> if his name has anything to do with a what's someone known for explosives like um, I, I I don't know. What's the Unabomber's name? Yeah, Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> <laughs> if his name's Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> How That's pretty harder to do the game. <laughs> that would be highly frustrating and highly difficult. So. <laughs> We almost got to that question. Man, if we had another 10 minutes with Whitney last week, I would have gotten to that question, I'm sure. You know? <laughs> we didn't get there with her. I don't know. 
Darn. <laughs> Rats. Maybe I'll DM her. Like, say, hey, we got to have you back on. There was a big thing that we didn't ask you about, but it was good. So, hey, uh, let's finish off with this. Um, our thanks. Uh, we No review this week. We'll try to review something next week. Our thanks to Whitney from the movie uh, Birdemic. Uh, guys, I got to tell you, I found oh, Birdemic right. 2. It's on Tubi. I watched the first little bit, but I had to duck out Birdemic 2. I'm... <laughs> I'll put it this way. It was exactly the same as Birdemic 1. V- very much similar, but Birdemic 2, a, a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <from> my... <laughs> I don't want to call anybody out or anything, but Old James kind of went a little deeper into the moral abyss than I was comfortable with, so I just said, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> we all make choices about what's okay to watch and what's not. Um, but it me too went a couple places I didn't want to go, so I'm like, nope, no more. So. <laughs> all right. I can't imagine having signed up to watch Birdemic 2 at all. I mean, I watched Birdemic 1. I didn't need any more of that. Yeah, well, we talked to Whitney. I was just curious. I mean, you know. Yeah, I, You're holding I, out for the full trilogy. Right. Well, I'll tell you after the podcast. Let's end the podcast. <laughs> right, that's what I'm doing. And I'll tell you exactly what's happening. It'll be great. So, yeah, thanks for checking us out. Um, check out our sponsors. Check out listener support. Uh, check out the Hope Interrupted podcast. It'll be fun. Thanks for checking us out today. Have a great one. Talk to you later. All right, back on the Ohioan. And you know, here's what I like about the Ohioan. We have different hosts, just with different perspectives. We think the same on different things. But, you know, Joe's our actor in, in our group of podcast people. Paul's the pastor. A little bit. A little bit. Brandon I act is sometimes. a journalist. Yeah. a journalist, too. But we Absolutely. all have our own needs, likes, wants, things that excite us, things that terrify us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Paul's a good person. Paul. Yeah, Paul's a good person to go to. Now we Paul's have a good no. person, period. That is yeah, just Paul's true. a good person. But yeah. we're talking about acting, the theater, the movies. Joe is our resident expert on that stuff. So A little bit. A, I try to pay attention. Yes. <laughs> there was a recent story. And let me say how I feel about this real quick, just so I don't sure. get myself in trouble here. Absolutely. Uh, Carrie Moss. And you might be like, who is that? She was in um, Matrix. She was the uh, girl in Matrix. She's been some other stuff, uh, but Matrix is what she's best known for. Well, she's 53 now, and she said, man, Hollywood does do a trip on you. She was off her grandmother rules literally the day after she turned 40. And, you know, I'll tell you, Joe, mm-hmm. I am very conflicted on some of this stuff because we need to treat people the way we want to be treated ourselves. Sure. So, yes, it's easy. You can sit there and even as a married guy say, wow, that's an attractive woman. You know, it's fair to say that we're human beings. But I think Hollywood sells us on the sex a lot where it's like, yeah, bring out the young woman. You know, we don't want to see any old woman out here. We want to see the young, attractive woman, and that's all we care about. And it's so wrong to think of. But we play into that stereotype of Hollywood, and that's why Hollywood keeps doing it. That's why older female actresses aren't being used as much. If they're being used as much, they're the old you know, dame, the madam, the grandma, or whatever. And it's just, it's not fair 
And in a Hollywood, which correctly looked at Me Too, because there was a lot of instances where people were being um, used, like there were young women who were being assaulted and everything. You look at, you know, Weinstein and all those other guys like that. But then, although it's correct in calling out people who took advantage of people in the Me Too, we're still doing that because even if we're not physically assaulting people, we're looking at it and saying, hey, you're too old. You know, wait for the next grandma rule. It just it's unfair. It's wrong. But you know, we look at these movies and we say, Oh wow, what a nice woman. It's great that she's in it. And in essence, our stubborn maleness keeps adding the same problem. And thankfully, Joe, I think you and I are better than other people. We're not just looking at women as objects or anything. But I think most of men in society are that. So it's a problem that keeps on coming back and back and back no matter how we try to fix it. It's wrong. It's something that uh, is such a challenge because our society has set up in a, in a way that has conditioned people to have that kind of response, capitalizing on something that I think probably does happen uh, more naturally than we want to accept. And it's, it's important for uh, anybody who has come through uh, all of the different ages in which, uh, uh, you know, you, you go through these phases in Hollywood where, um, where a, a certain type of attractiveness is, is sold to America. Uh, you get comfortable with the idea of, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the male actors, um, being a little bit older than their female counterparts in a lot of films, um, and so you start to, your brain gets kind of trained to expect that. Um, and it's difficult to come out of that. And it's probably important for all of us to uh, probably to fight against that a little bit. Um, the entertainment industry has always a really strange place to, to deal with issues like this because you're left in a place where a producer who is trying to cast a film will make excuses by saying, but this is what the audience wants. Right. Yeah. So you, you make all kinds of excuses for yourself saying, uh, Oh, I'm just responding to what the, uh, what the crowd is going to want, but it's also a little bit of what you're telling a crowd to expect to want. Right. Yeah. So it's always so difficult. I think it's probably more difficult for for young women to make the transition into uh, playing older roles. There's a a lot to different theories of of casting and agents trying to represent actors where you're in a danger zone because as soon as you accept that first mom role, or in Carrie Ann Moss's position here, a grandma role, as soon as you do one of those, the previous phase of playing the young person or the mom is over. You're never going to get cast as those parts again. You're now a grandma. Uh, the same thing does happen with, with, uh, with, with men as well. It happens in different phases. And I think what she's even responding to and talks to about in the article is that after 40 roles available for women becomes a bit of a black hole or at least was, uh, at a certain point, I think we're getting to a place now where there's a lot more 
I think there are more female producers. There are uh, actors who are becoming producers to produce their own stuff, to create opportunities for themselves, which is a great way that any person going into the entertainment industry really needs to think about it. There, you're always in such a danger zone when you're at the uh, when you are at the mercy of a system, right? Uh, if you go into it figuring out how to build opportunity for yourself, even as a young actor. Uh, you then you put yourself in a position later on to create your own opportunities and say, no, I'm not ready for those type of roles yet. I'm not, I know I'm not beholden to somebody else to say, you can be an actor in this role. I can be a producer. I can make roles for myself. I can commission scripts that have roles for, uh, for older woman, women, if I'm an older woman. Uh, and then I have something quality, to perform and still be able to use my skills instead of getting relegated to a certain type of role just because of what a producer says the audience expectations are. Yeah, it's going to be a hard thing to change. I mean, in theory, yeah, let's treat people like the way we want to be treated and everything, but it, it, it just kind of self-fulfills. Like you were saying before we started about how it seems like there's a lot of these, you know, 20-something women who are in these movies and shows that are dating 30 and 40-something-year-old guys, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's something, and, and you might sit here and go, okay, you're just talking about movies. Who cares? You know, there's not that many people. Well, it's an issue that kind of pervades our society, too. I got a chance to hang out with my mom today, which was great. And, you know, I remember a time where my mom was passed over for a job. And they pretty much told her, hey, you're 50. We can't hire you. Right. And it happened during her 50th birthday, which kind of made it. That's not what you want to celebrate your birthday. And, you know, women get passed over and everything. We just can't. We, we got to start treating people the way we want to be treated ourselves. And uh-huh. what bothers me, I, I'm a movie guy. I mean, geez, we spent a lot of time on our chat yesterday and today talking about we're trying to get a fun movie actor to come in and talk to us. So, yeah, hey, we're going to talk about pop culture. Don't worry about that. Uh-huh. I just get bothered by the way we treat people more as objects sometimes. Uh-huh. And it leads to, you know, people have issues with pornography and people have issues with, you know, looking at stuff they shouldn't look at. But even if you're not going that far, we just get in this whole way of how you look matters. And uh-huh. think about that. That's not the way we should treat our families. That's not the way we should treat people in the workplace. So why are we allowing that to happen when we watch movies, shows? Why do we let that happen when people, when you when you look at games, when you look at female sports reporters? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know. Or athletes. Yeah. Well, there's a ton of great female sports reporters out there that do a great job. But they're held under unhealthy standard on the way they look that a lot of men's sports reporters, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, I know I'm waiting a little bit dangerous territory here, but, you know, Chris Berman can be look like Chris Berman. Uh-huh. No one says anything. But there's a certain point where if you're a, a news anchor or a reporter, you can't look like Chris Berman and do that. You know, why Why do we? Why do the Chris Bermans and me of the world can get away with when some woman reporters out there can't? It's unfortunate. It's wrong. It needs to stop. Absolutely. Uh, there's a weird thing in America in general just about the idea of celebrity. It's funny that you mention uh, treating people like objects. Uh, and so many people who are actors, who are public figures, who are uh, you know sports reporters or 
just anybody who's in the public eye, uh, the way that we start to treat people who are in the public eye in that way, uh, not only the expectations that we have on their their looks, maintaining whatever personality we think they have in the public sphere, uh, when we find out that they're a very different person when they're behind the scenes. Um, but uh, having any of those type of expectations on anybody um, in a way that puts anybody in type of a bad position or uh, puts them inside of a box so that you have any type of expectations on anybody. You just have a real difficult time. Uh, I think if you're a, a, a celebrity, you're maintaining a public image. Uh, if you're an actor and, and maintaining a public image by playing a certain type of role, uh, the challenge that you come under when you try to break that and forge something new for yourself, uh, there's always a lot of resistance and it comes at a huge sense of risk. Um, then this is a, the backside of when the system starts to tell you, no, I'm gonna, we're going to start looking at you differently now. What a threat that is to your livelihood, to your, your, your mental health. Uh, you, you're now put in a completely, a very stressful situation to say that you're not allowed to do this the way that you've done it before, because we've decided that that's done. <laughs> well, <laughs> we've decided that you're going to play, you're going to play grandma roles now. And it's, right. that's not a good position to be in career wise. There aren't great grandma roles out there. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And it happens even locally. Uh, one of the papers I work for, Columbus Dispatch, we just hired a props reporter. And what that means is someone who covers high school sports, but she has a good hockey perspective. So they've had her covering some of the NHL team here in town, the Blue Jackets, some games too. Well, she tweets out yesterday, get this. She's like, what's it like to be a woman in sports? This morning, I got email from a reader saying I need to disguise my feminine perspective to better engage my audience. Now, how are you a human being if you sit down in front of your computer and you type that email and send it to any female sports reporter in the country? And if that, you know, if that person's listening, please let me know what's your rationale, what are you thinking, because obviously you're not thinking correctly. I mean, what an awful thing to say to somebody. And it just, it's... It, I, that's, but that's a, that's weird troll stuff that I don't, there's all kinds of stuff like that. I don't understand why somebody comes in with a perspective or, or whatever like that, where you feel entitled enough to yeah. message in either on a website or to email somebody and just say, you need to be different. Well, no, I don't. Sorry. And uh, our, writers, well, our writers understand there's crazies out there and people are going to say whatever they want to say. Sure. But as a human being, because Unless there's a robot who's sending out these messages, some human with you know five fingers and five toes, well, ten fingers and ten toes, maybe they have five. Who knows? Hey, I, hey. They're you know they're saying that stuff, and just take a look at yourself. And you yeah. shouldn't say that to a man, whatever. But treat other people the way you want to be treated, and to sit there and say stuff like that, I, I don't know, Joe. And I'll be honest with you, we get and, and I'm not attaching religion to us, but, you know, we get attached politics to this, but there's certain people saying, well, you know, why are you being all liberal? No, I'm not being liberal. I'm saying just treat people with respect. That's not a liberal or conservative perspective. That's a you're being a human perspective. That's being a, you're not being a jerk, you know? That's true. Yeah, so.
I know. Important to treat people. Important to treat people how you'd want to be treated, uh, even in a difficult industry like the entertainment industry. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and even I would I would hope if I were a producer, and I wanted to approach somebody to take on a role that I I would have to understand that what kind of a threat that is to uh, the career of an established actor who has a particular uh, type and role that they play. And her roles are usually very strong women, very powerful women. Uh, and to offer somebody a role that is so radically different from what they normally play uh, and having to understand that the, the, tr the shift in someone's career that even playing that in a small film would do uh, that you'd approach that with a kind of sensitivity that wouldn't be, oh, by the way, hey, her agent and talking to her agent, oh, by the way, I want her to play this different role. Um, hopefully somebody would have better tact than that and be yeah, able and to talk also, an actor through that, especially if you really want them to do it instead of just insulting them by throwing it at them and letting them figure out what you want them to do. And these things don't happen in vacuum. There's probably research out there that's saying, Hey, look, you know, Carrie and Moss cannot be the love interest anymore. She's got to be a grandma. And so even they get that even research just, from what we watch, you know? Or even to say at this state, hey, I just really want this actor to be in this movie. She's brilliant. Yeah. And I have and the only role that I feel like I, I have somebody else who's playing the mom. I think she's got the range and the power to, to come to this role, you know, to, to treat somebody in that way and, and make a pitch to say, I think we can make, tell a really great story together. Uh, would you like to come in on this with me? Uh, I just, you know, in some ways, I think there's wrong ways of doing it and there's right ways. I uh, I remember an old, old story. This is an old story, but going way back, um, uh, Alec Baldwin came into, I think it was Conan O'Brien or something, and was talking about a movie coming up that he played the, the father in. He played, uh, I, I don't remember the name of the movie, but his character's name was old man Dumpf. And uh, you know, he's somebody sent him the script and he's reading it along and he's like, Oh, this is really interesting. I don't know if I'm, you know, I may be a little bit too old to play one of these sons. They're like, Oh no, no, you're reading for the role of old man Dumpf. And he was just like initially super offended because like, I don't play those kind of roles at that point. He was not old man Dumpf. Uh, but they were starting to hint that uh, maybe you were, and so, uh, but he ended up doing the movie because he really, you know, talked it through with them and understood he was understanding the, the career changing shift that he was making and, and, and was able to make that choice for himself. And this, the, the Carrie Ann Moss thing, the way she's telling the story, it doesn't seem like it, they were treating her with that kind of respect. Yeah. People, people are the worst. I always say that. I hate to say that. I want to think better people, but sometimes people are the worst. So. All right, well, well, Joe, thanks so much. Again, all you out there, thanks for checking out the Ohioan. Um, you know, we, we try to have good conversations. And um, like I said, it's been a slow week in Steelers land. It's been a slow link in our week on review land. Um, we got some good stuff going on behind the scenes. We can't really announce yet, but we'll figure out what we can do. But, hey, as always, we're going to have a good conversation either way. So Yeah, and treat people well. Come yeah. on. This isn't hard. Treat people right. well. It's a good conversation. All right. Well, thanks, Joe. Have a good one, and we'll talk to you later at the Highland. Thanks. Hi, guys. Welcome to my channel, and today I want to talk to you about a man called Ove.
by Frederick Bachman. And honestly, as I pick this up, first of all, I got it for 42 cents at a thrift store, so can't really argue with that. But not my typical genre. Uh, I know I'm fairly new to BookTube, but uh, kind of seems like Stephen King is a common theme. And so something like A Man Called Ove, typically not the kind of book that I would read. But I had heard so many things about it from friends and from others here on YouTube that I had to give it a shot. Uh, and so I decided to dive in and... Wow. Um, what do I say about Ove? Basically, the if you're not familiar with the story, uh, it is about a grumpy old man who, which, by the way, I, I need to take issue with Frederick Bachman here for a second. Ove is a grumpy old man who is introduced as being 59 years old. Now, Frederick Bachman, uh, this was written nine years ago. He was like 30 years old. So maybe at age 30, 59 sounded old. Uh, but I'm not all that far off of that mark. And 69, maybe? Um, it was kind of hard uh, for me to wrap my head around uh, Ove as this grouchy old man, but still only being 59 years old. Anyway, that being said, uh, that being said, if that's the the major fault with the book, you know, life will go on. So, Ove, uh, obviously, we know is a grouchy old man. He is let go from his uh, place of employment and some other things going on in his life, and basically, kind of loses a sense of his purpose, and he finds himself with some new neighbors who, despite Ove's best intentions, insist on getting involved in his life. And they keep coming to him with questions, with problems, with things that need fixed. And one thing with Ove is you'll find out all the reasons why if you read the book, but he kind of wants to end his life. Uh, and so we do have that theme of an older man who not only wants to end his life, but also plans and tries to execute uh, several attempts at taking his life, every time being thwarted by one of his pesky neighbors, uh, knocking at, at the door, uh, coming to uh, ask him something, needing something from him. And so we, we get the development of the story that Ove, despite his best efforts to have nothing to do with anybody, he finds himself becoming an object of affection with these neighbors, and he ends up befriending people that, uh, despite his most fervent protests, uh, he ends up uh, drawing people to himself and uh, becomes a beloved figure to many people that he encounters. And Bachman writes Ove very well in terms of, he, he definitely communicates the concept that Ove is a grumpy old man. Uh, he doesn't understand uh, newer things, nor does he have any desire to understand newer things. He is the, the typical guy who, you know, it was good enough back then, it's good enough now, um, that some things don't need to be improved. Uh, he finds 
several reasons to be suspicious of people, particularly based on what kind of car they drive. Uh, several times when he finds out uh, what kind of car somebody drives, uh, Ove will declare, how can you even talk to somebody who likes a car like that? So there are a lot of moments when you see Ove just wants nothing to do with new stuff, fancy stuff, uh, what younger people are into, uh, really doesn't have any desire to interact with people at all. Uh, on the cover here, there is a cat, uh, a stray cat that continually surrounds his house, uh, and he wants nothing to do with this cat, but obviously the cat will go on to play a significant role in the story. So I, I don't want to give too much else away about the plot without giving any spoilers away. So th that's kind of the quick overview of A Man Called Ove. Now, as I mentioned before, probably my biggest complaint, and it's probably nitpicking, is this grumpy old man is only 59 years old, which just seems awfully young to be portraying a grumpy old man. But again, it's nitpicking. Ove is two things simultaneously. He is that hard-headed, stubborn, grumpy character that is annoying. And many people are annoyed by him, and you completely understand their annoyance with him. However, in the middle of that, Frederick Bachman also gives you a lot of Ove's background. And so there are several times where we're looking at what Ove is going through right now, but then we have some flashback chapters uh, going back to when he was younger, when he was a teenager, uh, when he first met his wife and the early days of their marriage. And so we get a lot of these flashbacks and you begin to get a, a better appreciation for Ove and the life that he's lived, uh, the kind of person that he is, and in a lot of ways why he is the way that he is. So on the one hand, you want to shake your fist in frustration at Ove but at the same time, you want to reach out and give him a hug. So uh, Bachman does a really a great job of bringing both of those sides of Ove's character together uh, into uh, an old man that you really just can't help but fall in love with, just like all the other people that are in his life. And really, I think in terms of the age was the only... The only real thing, I guess, that I, I would critique, I mean, I, there's there's no perfect book, um, but I have to say, for I, I was enjoying the book thoroughly, going through, and pretty much already decided that I was going to give it a four-star review, because it's just not my genre, and so I, I didn't want to give it five stars, but <sighs> Ovea got me. Gave him five stars. Um. The way this book ends, um, let me just be real here for a second. I I don't cry. Um, it's not that I don't want to. It's not that I'm too macho to not cry. I just don't for whatever reason. Yeah. I admit it. The end of the book, I cried. My wife looked over and was taken quite aback because again I don't cry but Bachman you got me 
this is a heartwarming story. It's a funny story. There are a lot of truly delightful, uh, funny moments uh, throughout the story. There are some great, uh, I don't want to say one-liners, but just some great little sentences thrown in there. Uh, one in particular, and again, I, you find something out pretty early in the book, but I want you to encounter that uh, on your own. But there's one statement in particular that deals with why Ove doesn't like talking to people. And it's just this throwaway line, but wow, was it powerful. And, and you get several of these throughout the story of just these little uh, reflection statements or insight statements that are just thrown in there at the end of a paragraph, but it's like, well, maybe didn't make a t-shirt out of that or something. So, uh, and I, I believe this might be Bachman's first book, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And wow, uh, way to start. Uh, and he's obviously gone on to write several others. Have heard great things about all of his books. Um, I don't know if... I'll read them. Uh, honestly, as much as I enjoyed this, I, I did find myself constantly saying, I wish I was reading Stephen King. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed every second of A Man Called Ove. Uh, again, the only real complaint I have is Ove was just too young uh, to be as grumpy as he was. Uh, maybe give him just another 10 years, it would have made a big difference. But I know it's kind of harping on it, but that's just the one hang-up for me. Start him off at 69 or something, just a little bit more believable. But I loved it. I really did. Um, I, I thought it would be okay, but it was really good. Uh, even if you don't think something like this is your typical genre, and again, I seldom read books like this. Um, I want action or thrillers, uh preferably uh, something uh, more of a, a horror novel. So definitely outside of my comfort zone, but I'm really glad I read it. Very glad I read it. And I really think you'll enjoy it. So guys, I, I don't see a lot of guys reviewing this. They're, they might be out there, but I haven't come across them yet. Give it a try. Uh, I, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, there, I think there's at least a little bit of Ove in all of us. Uh, so I think there's different parts where we can see a little bit of ourselves reflected in him. And the way that Bachman portrays uh, Ove's marriage to Sonia, his wife, um, beautiful. You just, you fall in love with this couple. And yeah, A Man Called Ove by Frederick Bachman. Despite my not wanting to give it five stars, they got him. They earned it. Brought me to tears. Great book. Check it out. Anyway, thanks for stopping by the channel. Uh, if you haven't already, please like, subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, I now have uh, this channel here is completely devoted to my book reviews. Uh, I had it on another channel mixed in with some other things, but now brand new, nothing but book reviews and book talk here on this channel, Paul's Bookshelf. So like, subscribe, share it with your friends. Uh, I'd super appreciate it. And if you've read Ove, drop me a comment down below. Let me know what you thought, what you liked, what you didn't like. I would love to talk with you further down there. So 
Again, thanks for watching. Check out a man called Ove. I think you'll enjoy it. Take care. Hi guys, welcome back to my channel. My name is Paul. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of my book reviews. And if you're new to the channel, thank you so much again for stopping by. Uh, do me a favor, uh, like and subscribe. I would really appreciate it. Share with your friends if you find these helpful. So today I want to talk about a book that took me five years. I think it's been five years to read. And that is Kurt Vonnegut, Breakfast of Champions. Please help. Help me understand. Um, yeah, books about Kilgore Trout, a science fiction author, and Dwayne Hoover, a car salesman. Uh, Dwayne Hoover is not quite right in the head, and he eventually takes Kilgore Trout's writings seriously and acts on them. That doesn't happen till the very end of the book. Is that a spoiler? No. That's right there on the back of the book. Plot? Not much. And I know, I know that's a Kurt Vonnegut thing. I know that he is primarily satire, and I get that. I've heard some people tell me this isn't a great book of Vonnegut's to start with. Uh, there's other books that are better to start with. Um, if you are a Kurt Vonnegut fan, please tell me below what those books would be because, okay, I got it. A lot of times, they say, well, you just don't get Vonnegut. I, I got it. It's satire. He hits everything. Um, religion, politics, war, capitalism. Uh, I don't think there's a topic he doesn't take a stab at in this book. Um, that being said... Not for me. Really, not for me. Um, I appreciated his humor. Uh, a, most of the book, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this was my takeaway from the book, is you are just following Kilgore Trout, Dwayne Hoover, just in daily life leading up to their eventual meeting uh, when they meet at an arts festival. And... He keeps alluding to the fact that they're going to meet. Uh, he tells you that right off the bat. And it's the journey towards that art festival where along the way he just takes stabs at all those different topics in a variety of different ways. Sometimes humorous, sometimes just a little over the line, sometimes gets a little too inappropriate for my personal taste. Uh, and I know that Vonnegut is one of those polarizing authors. Uh, people are passionately uh, following his his works, uh, are devoted to his works. So I get it. He might be one of those authors either you love or hate. Uh, again, I got the satire aspect of it, but it just wasn't for me. Um, some of the, the comments in there, and even just the, um, uh, how do I describe it? Just some of the, human body parts that get described, that just got really old. Um, it, it just seemed to come up out of nowhere at times whenever he introduces a character or references a character. Um, I appreciated the satirical jabs at several different topics. Um, but yeah, the, the, for me, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong, but there wasn't really a plot. 
to this book. Um, this was, it, it, again, for me, it felt like Vonnegut wanted to take some stabs at a lot of different issues, and it happened to be in the course of following Kilgore Trout and Dwayne Hoover on just their boring day-to-day -day lives. And then finally you get the climax where they cross paths at an arts festival and things go haywire. So I think I gave this one star on Goodreads. I get it. I appreciate it. I, I might come back to it. Uh, maybe in a few years I'll revisit it and see if it hits differently. Uh, but again, it took me five years to read. Almost uh, DNF'd it several times. The only reason I stayed with it, uh, I wanted to go back... I, wanted to look at what was the best-selling book when I was born, and it was this. Uh, that was the only reason I picked it up. Uh, I had no other motivation. And, yeah, I would read some, set it down. A few months later, read a little bit more. Set it down. Several months later, read some more. Uh, didn't really enjoy it. Uh, there were a couple scenes that were good. By and large, it wasn't my thing. And again, if there's if there's something I'm missing in this, uh, feel free. If you are a fan of this book or a fan of Vonnegut's, uh, what is it you like most about uh, this book in particular? If there's a different book that would be better for someone who's never read Vonnegut before other than this, uh, let me know. I'd be more than happy to check it out. Um, but let me know your thoughts. Uh, for me, it was just a big swing and a miss. Uh, didn't hit me at all. I, I know for others, it, it speaks right to them, and I applaud that and support that. Uh, for me, it was just a big miss. Not like book number two. Later, by Stephen King. This was good. I, I've heard mixed reviews about this book. Uh, some people seem to love it, some people seem to hate it, and, and that might generally be true for a lot of Stephen King. Uh, this is clearly one of his shorter books, 240-ish uh, pages or so. So, Later by Stephen King, uh, his newer book. Uh, what is this about? It's about Jamie Conklin, uh, this young guy here, and it's written in the first person. So it's Jamie Conklin telling you his life story. And he begins, I, I think the first scene with him is he's five years old, recounting something that happened when he was five. And then just these little moments throughout his life up until, uh, I think he's retelling this at, he's age 22 when he's telling you this story. So Jamie lives with his single mom and uh, for a while at least, um, uh, this character here is his mother's significant other. And uh, we go into their relationship and some of the complexities in their relationship. Uh, the significant other is a detective, and that plays a significant role. Now, this is considered the uh, a hard case crime, uh, his third hard case crime story. Um, yes and no. Yes, in that he does work with a detective, but it's not necessarily like they're trying to solve... A crime together. Uh, there is one uh, primary uh, crime that they're trying to prevent uh, that takes place you know, primarily in the, the middle of the book, but this deals more with Jamie's ability, and Jamie's ability is he can see dead people, 
And the rules of that are spelled out pretty well in that typically he can only see a dead person for up to a week after they pass away, sometimes only days, and then that person begins to fade. There is one exception to that rule and becomes the primary antagonist throughout the story. And gets more, I don't want to give too much away in terms of that. So we have these moments where Jamie is able to see dead people and it's, it's addressed in the book that you know, it's not like that Bruce Willis movie. And it really isn't. I know some people have criticized this book saying it's just a ripoff of, you know, I see dead people and that, and I get that. But on the other hand, isn't Stephen King the one who really, uh, took that first with The Shining. Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, there are hints in here that what Jamie has is The Shining, uh, not necessarily to the extent that Danny Torrance of The Shining and Dr. Sleep has it, but still that same type of ability. And so with that, obviously, he's able to interact with dead people and find out what happened to them, why they died, and so forth and so on. But the, for me, again, one of the things I love about Stephen King is his ability to write characters. And this is really the story of Jamie and his relationship with his mom, his relationship with his mom's ex-significant other, and kind of the issues that they, that they deal with and some of the, the complexities of that relationship. And specifically, Jamie trying to come to grips with his ability to see dead people and the fact that his mother doesn't like that he can do this. Uh, she worries about him, and so he tries to keep that a secret. And there's one scene in terms of, if, as we talk character development, there's one scene towards the end that kind of just adds more dimensions to just some of the issues that Jamie's dealing with that kind of like, okay, we, we went there. Um, I'll leave that for you to discover, but it's like, probably didn't have to go there. Uh, he did, and it is what it is. Uh, the story could have been perfectly fine without it. Um, but yeah, he went there. Uh, anyway, it's really a character story, not so much a detective or a crime novel. It's really just a character story of tracing Jamie and as he grows up, uh, in a sense, a coming-of-age story, uh, having this ability and how he copes with it, how he deals with it, how he uses it, how he doesn't use it. And particularly for the main uh, protagonist who kind of likes to torment him and how he deals with that. And his altercation with the, the dead uh, protagonist, there's a tie-in to another Stephen King story. That's pretty significant. Uh, some people kind of uh, downplay the connection. I thought it was pretty neat uh, how he tied this to a, an existing storyline that he has. And leaves it where I would. I really hope he writes a sequel to this. I, I think there's a lot more to Jamie's story to be told. Uh, the main protagonist is still out there. Uh, so, spoiler warning, I guess. Sorry. Um, the main protagonist is still out there. Uh, 
there's more to be told with Jamie, I think. Again, at the time of Jamie telling you this story, he's 22. So I, I feel like there's a lot more ground to go and a lot more that could be said with Jamie. So I really hope this isn't just a one-off uh, with Jamie. I hope there's more to come uh, in terms of his character. So if you are looking for at this, hoping for a your typical Stephen King horror thriller, that's not what you're going to find here. If you're looking at this, hoping for a, and again, I haven't read uh, the other two hard crime uh, stories by Stephen King yet. If you're looking for a kind of a haunted detective story, not, it's not really what you're going to find here. Uh, it's really the story of Jamie, his mother and his mother's ex uh, significant other and the dynamics and some of the, uh, very significant complexities that develop uh, in the relationship between the three. So I thoroughly enjoyed it from beginning to end. Um, it's a, a, again, a fairly quick read, an easy read. Uh, I think I read this in three days. Uh, I, you probably could read it in one sitting. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, nothing deep or profound, but again, as Stephen King does so well, looks at human characters with a lot of their... Uh, hang-ups with a lot of their issues and coping with those issues and coming to grips with those issues. And so in that vein, highly enjoyed it, very much recommend it. Uh, again, you'll find a lot of mixed reviews uh, out there and I can understand why some may not enjoy this. Um, it, it's not, the, the plot really revolves around Jamie as a person, not in Jamie trying to solve crimes but in him as a person, his development as a person, and his relationships with others. So if that doesn't sound intriguing at all to you, um, you probably won't enjoy this. If it does sound intriguing, if you're a if you're a big Stephen King fan, I'm sure you'll love it. Uh, if you're not a fan or kind of on the fence with him, you probably won't enjoy it so much. Uh, or maybe it's so different that you might. I don't know. Give it a shot. Uh, if you've read it, let me know what you thought. I would be happy to hear your thoughts on it, whether you liked it, hated it, somewhere in between. Um, yeah, what would you like? What didn't you like? I would love to carry on the conversation with you down below in the comments. But anyway, one book that was a big swing and miss for me, one that really uh, was a good solid hit for me in Later by Stephen King. So yeah, I, I feel like I'm becoming that guy who just loves everything Stephen King writes. Um, I'm sure I'll come across one that is a miss for me. Just haven't done it yet. Um, but I'm sure that day will come. Anyway, thanks for watching, and we'll see you back here next time with the next review. Take care. Hello, fellow readers, and welcome to the channel as I come at you with two books today for my review. And uh, the first one that I want to talk just briefly about, uh, kind of the warm-up act, if you will, is Disturbed by Jennifer Janes. And... In reading this, uh, I was not familiar with this author, and as I was reading through it, I uh, decided to look in, a little bit more into Jennifer Janes and found out that in November of 2019, uh, died very tragically, and apparently there's still some mystery surrounding that death that uh, you can go into and look more about, but uh, very tragic and very sad to hear that. Uh, in Reading Disturbed, I have to say that within the first two chapters, I came to a pretty quick conclusion as to where the story was going. 
very quickly, uh, the story follows the main character, Chelsea, who, while in college, uh, her and her two roommates are victims of a very violent assault where two of her roommates are murdered and she is left uh, severely injured and on the brink of death herself before police arrive and are able to save her. And then we fast forward five years and Chelsea is now moved away and she's starting to restart her life and she's being a helped along by uh, her best friend that she's uh, made since the tragedy. Uh, Her name is Elizabeth. And so Elizabeth is trying to help Chelsea cope with the after effects of the trauma and getting her life back on the road. And uh, they never caught uh, the the character who was uh, blamed for the murders, a character named Ethan. Uh, And the party that where these murders happened was also attended by uh, Ethan's friend Boyd. Uh, Boyd leaves earlier in the evening because he has to go to work. And so five years later, uh, Elizabeth and Chelsea uh, are out and about. Elizabeth is trying to get her out of the house and uh, find healthier ways to cope with her uh, really kind of post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome, I would say. And while they're out, uh, Chelsea uh, comes face to face with Boyd and uh, they begin to reconnect. And so this is all very early in the book. So those are no major spoilers. And so really, uh, the story unfolds because at this five-year mark, Chelsea believes that she's now seeing Ethan, uh, who was the the one who was uh, charged with the murders. Uh, She feels that she begins to see him in different places and uh, begins to feel that she's being uh, stalked by Ethan. And so the rest of the story plays out. And I, one of the positives here, I think it's, it does a, a fantastic job of exploring the ongoing effects of trauma. And, and so if anything uh, under that umbrella sounds like it could be triggering for you, I, I would say don't read the book because it really goes into uh, some strong detail uh, and really dives deeply into Chelsea's trauma and just some of the ongoing anxiety and panic attacks uh, and the effects of her ongoing trauma. And so just a, a little warning on that. So as I said before, I really felt like I knew where this was going to go. And pretty much every chapter uh, starting, and that theory kind of held through. And, and then with every chapter, it just seems like I was like, oh, nope, maybe not. Oh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. And really, there were several scenarios that I envisioned playing out and really had no idea heading into the climax of the book how this was going to all wrap up. And that's all I say without going into spoilers. So, again, very early in the book, I was like, okay, this is too predictable. Uh, I wasn't really excited about it. But the further I went and the the broader the mystery became as to... Uh, the murders and what was happening and who was stalking uh, Chelsea as this unfolded, as my dog growls at the neighbors across the street, sorry. Um, So as the story progresses, it becomes less and less clear what's happening. And so with that, really found myself on the edge of my seat, looking forward to seeing how things would transpire, how things would unfold. And at the end of the day, I would give this four stars. I really enjoyed the journey of this book. Um, I really liked how it played out. Um, 
I guess you could, you, you could look at it and say, no matter how the story resolved, you could say, well, it's been done before. Uh, so that's not giving anything away. But I was very satisfied with the ending. I really like uh, what she did with the ending. And I would have loved to see uh, a sequel to it, uh, if not for uh, Mrs. Jane's uh, tragic death. And so Disturbed by Jennifer Jane's, uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, after the second chapter, when I thought for sure I had it figured out, and then my theory started falling apart, really found myself enjoying it and uh, listened to the audiobook and the narrator did a fantastic job and yeah, really enjoyed it. So four stars for that one. We really encourage you to check that out. If anything like that uh, sounds intriguing, uh, very much a psychological thriller. But with that, now for the main event of the review, and that is Stephen King's The Shining. And yes, I know I've been on a bit of a Stephen King uh, binge lately, and that's not going away anytime soon. Uh, I've been able to kind of have a pretty significant haul uh, on Stephen King books thanks to some area thrift shops. So I've got a, a whole shelf of Stephen King books uh, ready to uh, ready to go and ready to dive into those. So I'll be looking for more of those coming up. But The Shining by Stephen King. A lot of this won't be any surprise to you, but Wow. Wow. What a great, great book. Um, I know The Shining is probably most known for the film adaptation with Jack Nicholson, which is a classic in its own right. Uh, and I know that Stephen King didn't really care for it. And honestly, every time I, I heard that or read about it, I was like, well, what could he possibly have against it? Now I know. <laughs> Let's just uh, let's just put it out there. This, if you've seen the movie and haven't read the book, this is so much better. I can't even describe how much better this book is than the movie. And as I talked about with my Doctor Sleep review, uh, in the Doctor Sleep movie, they tried to kind of appease the novel, but also fix some of the stuff that Stephen King didn't like about the Shining movie and. I think really took away from the Dr. Sleep film adaptation with Ewan McGregor. This book, along with Dr. Sleep, wow. Um, so again, if, if for some reason you don't know the story of The Shining, so our main character is Jack Torrance, who is married. Uh, he is about 30 years old, married. Uh, he is a, a teacher. Uh, he's a writer. And his wife and his five-year-old son, uh, he has the opportunity to be the winter caretaker at the Overlook Hotel. And the reason he desperately needs this job is because his past has caught up to him. Uh, he has a, a bit of a temper, but mixed into that was uh, very severely alcoholic. And so all of that together really put him in some bad scenarios. And a friend pulled some strings and got him the job. Uh, as the winter caretaker of the Overlook Hotel. And so they move in to this hotel that's going to be abandoned all winter long, uh, really inaccessible because of how high up in the mountains it is and how, uh, how much snowfall they get every winter. And what you have in the story is magnificent. <laughs> uh, obviously, his five-year-old son, Danny, has this special ability, which is referred to as the Shining. Uh, 
in that he can basically read people's minds. Uh, he can see apparitions. Uh, so, so a lot of these abilities that he has that you're probably familiar with. And if you just watch the movie, it, it really comes across as the, a movie about essentially a father who loses his mind. Um, but wow, this this is so much. Jack Torrance in the movie, from scene one to the end, for me, is unlikable. Now, Jack Nicholson does a phenomenal job portraying the character, but the character himself, unlikable from beginning to end. There's nothing about me that wants to root for Jack Torrance in the movie. This, however, wow. Again, obviously, no secret, Stephen King knows how to write characters. And throughout this book, you see this battle within Jack Torrance between his alcoholic past, uh, his ongoing struggle with alcoholism, uh, the kind of him being overtaken by the hotel and how that begins to warp him. But there's still this internal struggle that he wants to be the good husband and the good father that he swore he was going to be when he quit drinking. And so uh, by the end of this, you are, you are, you, you know, obviously what's going to happen to Jack Torrance if you've seen the movie or if you're familiar with the story at all. But wow, do you really hope against hope that maybe in the book things will turn out differently because you really are drawn and have empathy for Jack Torrance and want to see him do the right thing, make the right decisions, overcome uh, those internal demons. So a well-written character uh, in Jack Torrance, uh, every character is written so well in this, uh, and you really get a, a better sympathy for Danny and what he's going through and, and what this shining ability is doing to him and the fact that he knows all through the story that something really bad is going to happen. And everything uh, is just going on and there's not much he can do about it. And he knows where it's headed. He doesn't know who's going to do it. But, you know, in the, the movie, obviously, you get the, the famous Red Rum thing. And in the novel, Red Rum is introduced like right away. And it's just this carrot that just dangles over top of Danny all through the story. And just, oh, just so fantastically written. Uh, again, if you have not read this book for whatever reason, I, I might be the last person who hasn't read it. I, I'm slow going, as I've said before. I uh, never really give myself permission to read a lot of fiction, but this year I've opened that up uh, to just really begin to read a lot more fiction. And wow, am I glad that I made that decision. And I'm so glad I made the decision to read The Shining. Five stars, easily in my top 10 books of all time. And for a Stephen King book, it's not all that ridiculous uh, in length. Uh, so we got, what, 460-some pages. Uh, so for Stephen King, that's not bad and well worth the read. Uh, I was never bored. Uh, it, it never slowed down for me. I was hooked from beginning to end. Outstanding book, outstanding story, outstanding characters. And with every Stephen King book I read, and I don't want to sound like I'm just some, um, uh, I've drank the, the Kool-Aid of Stephen King, but Stephen King is a master when it comes to writing characters and telling a story. Um, in terms of the horror aspect, obviously a horror novel um, 
personally, I didn't find the movie. Uh, I found it more of a psychological thriller than a horror. Um, this is a little more horrifying than the movie. Um, and there's scenes in here that have the movie it completely ignores that for me were probably the most terrifying parts of the story. Uh, in particular, the shrubbery uh, outside the hotel. Uh, for me, that was probably the, uh, the most horrifying scenes were with the shrubbery outside of the hotel. But anyway, five stars. I cannot recommend this enough. Uh, probably, I, sh I should come up with my uh, finalized top 10, but probably top five. Uh, novels of all time. The Shining by Stephen King, five stars, recommend it. Uh, start it tonight. <laughs> Get a copy, start it now. I really don't think you're going to regret it. So that's The Shining by Stephen King and Disturbed by Jennifer Janes. Uh, two very good books, a four star and a five star. So hopefully that helps. If you've read it and you're watching on YouTube, uh, Give me a comment down below. Uh, if you read one or both of those, what did you think? Uh, how would you rate them? And if you read The Shining, what was uh, spoilers uh, in the comments, maybe? Uh, what did you find scary? Uh, if, what was your favorite scary moment in uh, the novel? Uh, as I shared, mine was the shrubbery outside the hotel. So anyway, that's that for this video. And uh, very shortly, I'll be coming up with my next one. Currently, I am reading A Man Called Uwe. Uh, by Frederick Bachman, uh, from the rave reviews I've gotten from Murphy Napier on YouTube and some other booktubers. So that one will be coming up. Uh, took a little, uh, reprieve from Stephen King, even though I really want to. There's some books on the show I want to read right now, but found a man called Uve for 42 cents in a thrift store and, uh, figured it'd be a good time for a little break from Stephen King to read that. So that review will be coming out, uh, before too long. And uh, be sure to check that one out. So thanks again for watching so much. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, love you. Uh, thank you for watching. And we'll see you back here next time. Take care. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.